What is worship? Can you worship virtually? Join us for our next edition of Antioch Everywhere. I'm Dwayne Hawkins, your host and pastor of Antioch. So what is worship and can you worship virtually? Before we get started, let's take a moment just to pause for the cause of praise. Okay, so let's get into it. First, let's deal with worship and let's start with establishing a biblical foundation. So when we look in the Old Testament, we'll discover that there are six original language words that are translated into our English word worship, and each of them has a different meaning. The first word means to bow down. The second word means to fear, revere, or be afraid. The third meaning is to work or serve. The fourth word means to resort to seek, to seek with care, to inquire or require. The fifth word means to minister, serve, or minister to. And the sixth word means to prostrate oneself, do homage, worship. Likewise, when we look in the New Testament, we'll discover that there are seven original language words that are translated into the English word worship. First word means to kiss the hand in token of reverence. The second one means to revere or to worship. Third word means to serve for hire. The fourth word means to act piously or reverentially. The fifth word means service rendered for hire. Sixth word means religious worship. And the seventh word means a public office which a citizen undertakes to administer at its own expense. And so when you look up all of those different meanings and you put them all together, you'll come to the conclusion that worship is actually multidimensional in nature. It involves our head it involves our hands, and it involves our heart. It involves our head because true worship requires an accurate knowledge of God. It involves our hands because true worship is also demonstrated in pious actions toward God. And it also involves our heart because true worship involves a reverential attitude toward God. And when you put all of those multi-dimensions together, What happens is true worship results in a transformative experience with God that impacts our head, our hands, and our heart, which really leads us ultimately to the goal of worship. So what is the ultimate goal of worship? In my estimation, the ultimate goal of worship is to lead people into a transformative experience with God that involves their head, their hands, as well as their heart. So what does that look like when we move from a biblical foundation to a practical application? In other words, what are the movements of worship? I believe there are three distinct movements of worship that I want to talk about. And 
they go in a particular order. The first movement in worship is what I'm calling a release to God. In this phase of worship, worship begins by guiding the worshipers to release certain things to God, their praise, their prayers, and their presence, or their gifts, their offerings to God. This element of worship acknowledges the worthiness of God through what we give to Him, and it prepares us for the second movement of worship. Once we properly released what we need to release to God, our prayers, our praise, and our presence, then we're ready for the second movement of worship, which I'm calling receiving from God. So we move from release to God to receiving from God. This phase of worship is where worshipers receive what God has prepared for them through the preaching of the gospel. This element of worship acknowledges the authority of the Word of God to speak to our lives. And this prepares us for the final move of worship, which I'm calling respond to God. In this final phase of worship, it leads us to respond to God. We're called to be more than hearers of the Word. We're actually called to be doers of the Word. This element of worship prepares us to be a witness for God in the world. So this transformative experience with God that involves our head, our hands, as well as our hearts, has distinct movements. We release to God at the beginning of worship. It prepares us to receive from God through His Word. And then ultimately, worship is not complete until we respond to God through our pious actions that are in obedience to what we have received through the preaching of the gospel. So the question is, what does that look like in a virtual setting? And can you worship virtually? Well, before we get to the answer to the question, I want to make a distinction about worship. Virtual worship is more than viewing worship through technology. Virtual worship, in my opinion, is intentionally engaging people through the movements of worship where there's actually an engagement, a back and forth between uh, the worshipers and God himself, and that's a guided experience. So how do we guide people through the movements of worship? Well, there's a lot of different methodologies at our disposal. One of the things at our disposal through technology is uh, the, the use or the utilization of things like website chat features during worship, which guide people that are experiencing worship virtually through those movements where you can actually ask them questions during worship that engage them in what they're releasing to God and what they're receiving from God, and then ultimately how they plan to respond to God. So we can use features uh, like chat services through websites and other platforms to actually engage people in worship. And then at the conclusion of worship, we can also use response questions at the conclusion of worship, which kind of prepare us to move from that final movement of worship where we prepare our response to God initially to where we actually come up with a plan of action 
And that is a prompt that can take place at the conclusion of worship. And then throughout the week, different platforms, Facebook and other ways to communicate with people virtually, uh, text, telephone calls, all of those types of media are at our disposal to actually engage uh, worshipers in discussions throughout the week as to how they are applying what they received from God into their daily lives. And so I really want to conclude today with a passage of Scripture that I think sums everything up in a very nice fashion. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 21, says these words. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So you see, my friends, the issue in worship is not where worship takes place. Jesus dealt with that a long time ago. But in fact, he gave us what the real issue in worship is. It's not where worship takes place, but rather who and how worship takes place. So since Jesus dealt with it a long time ago, I believe we can give the answer to the question, can we worship virtually? And of course, I believe the answer is yes. Well, that's all for today. Join us next time for another episode of Antioch Everywhere. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in supporting or joining the Antioch Everywhere community, you can contact us on our church website, www.weareantiochomaha.org. And may the peace of God be unto you. Thank you.